having terrible, terrible headaches. And I had to go to the doctor and a hospital and have an MRI taken of my brain. First off, yes, I do have a brain. And uh, I had to get back in order to find out the report. And the report said that my, everything in my brain was fine for my age. I already asked you not to say a thing, Brother Mark. And I praise God for that because I know it was an answer to prayer. Uh, this sort of thing had been happening quite a bit, and particularly right here. And uh, I didn't understand it. I had been told many years ago that I had some blood vessels that was spasming, and it could possibly turn into an aneurysm. So I've kind of watched it. But thank God it's all right. And number two, Brother Roy's book, we brought it this time. We remembered to bring it. Um, the new publishing of it, that's the second time we've had it published, and it's out on the back table. If you want one, uh, it'll just cost you $12, or if you got more than $12, we'll take that too. It goes to missions is what it goes for. And, of course, you all know that we love missions, and we love them very, very much. Uh, before I get into the message, I had a couple of things I wanted to read. Uh, you all know we live in the, the drug generation, don't we? Okay. I received this from my sister-in-law out in the state of Washington. And she said, my generation just might have been lucky. I had a drug, drug problem when I was young. Now, she's not as old as I am, but she's headed that way. Said, I was drugged to church on Sunday morning. I was drugged to church at weddings and funerals. I was drugged to family reunions no matter what the weather was. And I was drugged to the bus stop to go to school every weekday. I was drugged by my ears when I was disrespectful to adults and teachers. I was also drugged to the woodshed when I was disobedient to my parents. Now those drugs are still in my veins and they affect my behavior in everything I do, I say, and I think. And they're stronger than cocaine, crack, heroin. And if today's children had this kind of a drug problem, America would be a lot better. And I thought, June, I'm, I'm really thankful you know, she sent that to me because I got to think about it. There's a lot of wisdom in that. said, stop telling God how big your storm is and instead tell your storm how big your God is. You know, a lot of times we just focus on the things that's bad, but we don't focus on what God has for us and how great he is. Just had a testimony from a young lady, and she said, used to I tried to work out my own problems. And said, when I did that, it always turned out wrong. I got in trouble. But she said, now, whenever I have a problem, I take it to Jesus, and I pray about it, and he comes back with the right answer and said, I have never been so happy in all my life. That's the secret. That's the key to it, is taking it to Jesus. Jesus is the subject. Before you were thought of, our time had begun, there's a you in that begun, God had even stuck you in the name of his son. Each time you pray, you'll see that it's true. You can't spell Jesus and not include you. You are a pretty big part of his wonderful name. For you, he was born. That's why he came. And his great love for you 
is the reason he died. Did you know it takes a U to spell crucified? Isn't it thrilling and splendidly grand? He rose from the dead with you in his clan. The stones split away. The gold trumpets blew. And this word resurrection is also spelled with a U. When Jesus left the earth with his upward ascent, he felt there was one thing that he just had to mention. Go into the world and tell them it's true that all that I love them all just like I have loved you. So great many people are spelled with a U. Don't they deserve to know Jesus too? It all depends on what you do. He'd like you to know, but it all starts with you. Amen. Amen. In the book of Psalms, chapter 145 and verse 15. Psalms 145, verse 15. The eyes of all wait upon thee, and thou givest them their meat in due season. Meat in due season. There's a lot of things going on in this world today that we just kind of take for granted. And we don't realize that a lot of what's happening is in God's plan. But we want it changed because it's making us so very uncomfortable. Do you agree with that? We don't want to see trials and tribulations come. We don't want to see disasters and atrocities come. But sometimes that's the only way God can get us to our knees to get us to pray and seek his face. We just take it for granted when life goes along so good. In the foreign countries, and we get letters from them all the time, they've even passed a law now in India that you cannot baptize anybody without going to the government and getting permission. Now, there's a lot of people wanting to be baptized. Why? Because the government doesn't want them to be. They, doesn't, they don't want the name of Jesus to be delivered to the people there and set them free. Because if they can keep them in bondage under idolatry, then that's just exactly what they want. That's the same way with some of the religions that's come from over in the East to here. They want to keep us bound. And they want to bind us. And the only way we're going to be free of that is not to cause a war or anything like that. It's just to go to God and tell him about it and let him take care of the situation and the problem. I praise the Lord for that. We need meat in due season now. It's time we got off the bottle. It's time we got weaned. But we begin to look into the word of God and try to find something that will not only taste good, but something that will taste good. And then as it goes down, it will give us strength. There is coming a time whenever we won't have what we've got now. And we're going to have to have something to live on in that length of time. You hear people getting uh, in snow and in uh, wildernesses and forests, and they stay there for days on end, and people don't know why. That's because they've had meat to take care of them. They didn't starve to death. You don't need to starve to death spiritually. Amen? Joel chapter 2 verse 1 says, Blow the trumpet in Zion and sound the alarm in my holy mountain and let all the inhabitants of the land tremble. 
tremble. For the day of the Lord cometh, for it is nigh at hand. Now Joel said this. Looking forward to Jesus Christ's coming, Jesus came and he left, but he's coming again, and his coming is nigh. As one brother said, it's closer today than it was yesterday. Thank God we live today, because that means we're one day closer to him. So we've got to hold on and sound the alarm. We've got to tell people, get ready, prepare people for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Whenever they give you an opportunity, use that opportunity to tell them about Jesus. Because he is so great and he is so wonderful. I just glorify his name. God's children need to wake up and they need to grow up. We've had pity parties. We've had all kinds. I'm not going to go into some of the things I started to say, but Lord help me not to. (laughs) But we've got to start realizing that when we come to church, we come to church to learn and to grow and to mature in God and that's what God's wanting out of all of us here very few of us are children in the Lord we should be adults in God and that even goes for some of the children back there you're too old now to be called a child you need to be called an adult in God and listen to what he has to say America is in trouble great trouble and the only hope that this generation Our generation, the next generation, and the next generation has is you and I. If the radio, the media, whatever you want to call it, if they have their way, they're going to stop us from talking about the Lord. The ACLU and all of those organizations, they're all bound together, even though they've got different names. And their one thing is to turn off people to God. Now, I got an email. I get email all the time. But I got an email that said, if they don't like it here in America, why don't they go where they can't worship God? Send them where they can't. If they think that's so great, go into some of these countries where they don't want you to worship the Lord. And, you know, I kind of had to agree with that individual that sent that. But they're not going to do it because God has a plan. He's going to make us, one way or the other, choose him. And we are going to choose to go with Christ or we're going to choose to slough off. Just as simple as that. That's why America is blessed because we one nation under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all. For all. Praise God for that. Thank you, Brother Mark. Read Hosea chapter 4. I know I'm jumping around a little bit this morning, but I just had three messages on my heart. So you're going to have to bear with me just a little bit. Now I'll try not to bring them all three into one. Okay. <laughs> Isaiah chapter, uh, Hosea, excuse me, Hosea chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. Hear the word of the Lord, ye children of Israel. Well, I'd like to say ye children of the church, ye people of the church. For the Lord hath a controversy with the inhabitants of the land because there is no truth nor mercy nor knowledge of God in the land by swearing and for you that don't know swearing means cussing cussing and lying and killing and stealing and committing adultery or sexual offenses they break out and blood touches blood How we hear that today in every form of the media. 
Therefore shall the land mourn, and every one that dwelleth therein shall languish with the beasts of the field. How about our mad cow disease and the thing the hogs had here a while back? The beasts of the field and the fowls of the air. There's histoplasmosis in those starlings that fly over. There's spores. When they defecate in the air, they fly in the air. We breathe them in. They get in our lungs and cause um, capsules and, and calcifications in our lungs. And the fish of the sea, they're telling us now we should only eat one kind of tuna and that once a week. Used to, it's tuna, tuna every day, fish every day, but it's not any longer. And this is what it says. And the fish of the sea also shall be taken away. And verse 4 says, Yet let no man strive, nor reprove another, for thy people are as they that strive with the priest. Don't argue with me. Okay? Let's go to controversy. I, I looked that up right quick. And controversy. Uh, Micah 6 and 2. Let's hear what it is. Hear ye, O mountains, the Lord's controversy. And ye strong foundation of the earth, for the Lord hath a controversy with his people, and he will plead with Israel. Hear ye, O mountains, mm -hmm, the high places. Okay, my people, O oh my people, what have I done unto thee, and wherein have I wearied thee? Testify against me. This is what God's saying to us. Testify against me. For I brought thee up out of the land of Egypt and redeemed thee out of the house of servants. I brought thee out of the land of Egypt. Well, I've never been to Egypt. Honey, that's the world. God brought us out of the world that we might serve him and not have to worship the things that Egypt worshipped which is a sun god and all different kinds of gods. But he wants true worship, pure worship, holy worship from his children. And then it said here, I have redeemed thee out of the house of servants. What did he tell those disciples? He said, you are no more servants, you're my friends. Now, if we're God's friends, what have we got against God? Why can't we serve him? Why can't we love him? Why can't we... Do what he's told us to do. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And Lord, you better do it, because I don't know where you're going from here. But he said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. What are the commandments of God? Have you ever took time to read the dullest book in the Bible? I heard that the other day. It was the dullest book in the Bible. Do you know what that is, Brother Brett? Leviticus. Thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. So that's the dullest thing there is. But have you taken time to realize that a lot of those thou shalt not is laws in this land? Because our founding fathers realized those laws were so very, very important for us to cling to and hold to and not have a controversy with God. And yet we say that's the dullest book of the Bible because it's telling us how we should live. Yes, some of those things, I'll agree, are for the nations. But if the nation can do it, we as individuals can do it too. He said, strive not with one another. We don't need to be at odds with one another. Hey, you've got your faults, I've got mine. Pray for me. I'll pray for you. 
And let's overlook them and see Jesus instead of humanity inside of each other. Well, I just don't think she should have wore this or she should have said that or she should have done something else. That doesn't matter. What did Jesus do with them? What does Jesus do through them? Look for the greater good. Look for the love of God. Let's get away from that. Lord, I can't testify against you in a thing because all things that you do are right. Lord, the only thing I can testify is say, this old gal don't listen to everything and walk the way you want her to walk. And I think if we're all honest, we could probably all say that. That's no excuse. Let's correct that. That's no excuse. We need to walk in the light of God. We need to follow his commandments. And God's word is true, and it's yea and yea. Going back to Hosea. He said, there is no mercy and no truth in the land. <laughs> okay. Talk about no truth. I want you to look on both sides of the political parties. Now, this is coming right across the airwaves into the minds and hearts of people that don't know God. And they're trying to believe this party because I'm this. They believe that party because I'm that. But hey, you better pray to God that he lines them out before November. Because that's the only way we're going to know what truth is. And God will reveal to us truth if we ask for it. If we seek for it with an open heart and an open mind toward God. But there is no truth nor mercy. Now, I just heard on the television of a man that killed his wife and child. They're going to give him three to ten years. Then they give somebody that would have done the same thing they would have done had they been in a position 20, 30, 40 years. Now, I'm not taking up for Martha Stewart and what she did, but I'll guarantee you one thing. If I had a, no a notion that somebody was going to do the bankruptcy thing, I would have went and got my money out of there. Now, be honest with yourself. Would you have done it? If it was you and you had money invested, you'd have went and got it. And every one of those people that were sitting on that judge, or that jury, as well as a judge and all of those, they would have done the same thing. But she lied under oath. Well, we had a president that just got through lying under oath, and they commended him for it. Let me get back to the scriptures. I am in the scriptures, aren't I? It says no truth and there's no mercy. Why? No, there's not any knowledge in the land. The way we come by knowledge in the first place is, number one, we fear God. We fear him enough to want to get into his word and to study his word and to seek him and say, God, I want to know all about you. I want to know how you think. Oh, yes, we can do that. I want to know how you think. I want to know what's coming off. What's, what's the end going to be? And we can learn that too. That's why he's telling us to get ready and be prepared. Because his coming is nigh. It's very close at hand. If they lock the doors on this church and every other apostolic church, 
today, how long would you survive? And then the next thing they'd do is come into your home and take your Bibles away. How long would you survive? Let me tell you something. This isn't anything like I was going to do, and Brother Hosecall can verify that. said, by swearing. Oh, but I swear this is the truth. Or they call you a dirty name. I wish I'd have brought that. I forgot to. That reminds me, I told Sister Jerry. I started out telling her, telephone rang, and Brother Roy finished it up. There was a lady driving, a man driving home, and a lady in the car behind him was very rambunctious. And she wanted to get home quick. So she was at the stoplight. Whenever they got to it, it started to turn yellow, and she got mad at the man because he wouldn't go through the yellow light. And he wouldn't take off fast enough, so on and so forth. You've been there. You know what it's like. She honked the horn, and her window was down, and she just blasphemed and cursed that man with everything that was in him. And the policeman drove up behind her one time. And he signaled her to stop. And he went around and he said, you're under arrest. And she said, why? What have I done? He said, come on, you're going to the station. He said, I'm going to book you. And he got her to the station and they put her in the cell and he run an ID check on her and everything. And he come back and he says, well, lady, you didn't steal the car, but I thought sure you had. And she said, what made you think I stole it? That's my car. He said, well, for one thing, it says, follow me to church. And what was it? I love Jesus. And if you love Jesus, honk. I don't remember exactly all of it. But he said, um, that didn't go along with what you were doing. Swear. By swearing. And lying. Again, that's that lying thing. And killing. Killing. There is a group that is trying their very best to stop this if a woman's pregnant and it kills her and the baby, that that's a double murder. Why are they stopping it? Because they want to keep abortions around. And they're fighting it so hard. Do you know how we can stop that? Not by marches and not by uh, destruction and burning down abortion clinics. We can stop that through prayer. Right here at this altar, at the altar in your home, you do more good talking to God in prayer than you can do any other way. You can talk to one another all you want to, but until you get down and pray, things are not going to change. But killing children, children, 12-year-old children, 10-year-old children, beating up other kids and killing other kids. I never saw the time. I'll be 71 years old Tuesday, and I never saw the time when children dare do this. But again, it goes right back to the, I was drugged to church. I was drugged to the woodshed, too. Watch out back there, PJ and Dusty and Tori, Hunter, Jacob. You might get drugged to the woodshed now. And stealing and committing adultery. You almost have to keep your television turned off all the time now to keep from seeing things like that and bring it into your home. Would you let somebody walk through your doors dressed like some of those things on television? Would you let some of them sit on your couch and do what they're supposed to be doing on that movie screen? Well, I know you wouldn't. You'd toss them out on their ear. I don't care if they was your dearest friend. You'd put them out. 
But this is what our kids are facing. And again, prayer is the only thing that's going to stop it. They're after Mel Gibson for that passion play and said that it's too cruel to watch. Too much violence. My Lord, that's what they actually did to Jesus and worse. And we don't want our kids to see that, but we'll let them see a filthy movie. Right in our own home, we'll go rent the videos or let them rent the videos and bring them into our home or the DVDs or whatever they've got now. Come on, people. Satan is doing this to make a degenerate generation. He wants to get our kids. And he wants to capture their minds so God can't get them. Because they will be the ones to usher in Jesus Christ. I used to think that we would, but I'm getting, I'm over the hill, and you know it's easier and faster to go down a hill than it is up one. So kids, it's going to be up to you to bring the Lord back. And your children, get them in, in the church. Have Bible services at home. Read the Bible every night. To the children. Read the Bible every morning. To the children. Let them eat their breakfast, but you read to them while they're eating, if that's the time you've got. And before they go to bed, read the Bible to them. Tell them what it's about. Explain it to them on their level, but let them know God is real. God is real, people. I can testify to that. He is so real. There's been miracles that's been worked in my life and Brother Holtzclaw's life. And if I give all of you a chance, you could all tell me miracles that's worked in your life. God is real. He's not a figment of my imagination. He's not a myth. He's not a crutch for me to lean on. Go to Him in prayer. Get somebody else. If you think you're weak, get somebody else to pray with you. He said, where two or three are gathered together, there I'm in your midst. And he is there every time. Every time. Praise God. And they break out. You can set boundaries, and they break out of those boundaries every time. Set boundaries for yourself. Now, next week... I am going to read my Bible and pray one hour a day. I'm not going to accept telephone calls during that hour. I am not going to think what I do tomorrow in that hour. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. Set boundaries, and I'll guarantee you, you'll break them. Why? Because we do not have a disciplined mind. You wake up in the middle of the night, and you try to go back to sleep. And you lay there and you'll pray for everybody you know. And you still can't go back to sleep. Why? Because your mind thinks about something you've heard, thinks about something you've read, thinks about something that you're going to do. We don't have control of our mind. We need control of our mind. So that we can make it say, okay, mind, this belongs to God. This time belongs to God. And I'm not letting the devil have any of it. And he's not going to get a hold of you no more either. You say, Sister Hostclaw, that can't be done. Yes, it can. I've done it. Am I doing it now? Well, I wish I could say I'm still doing it. But now I guess, no, I'm not going to make any excuses. I'm just not doing it now. 
See, I've got to work on my mind now, too, because there's a lot of things that goes through my mind that I know is coming up on the church. I know is coming up in our lives. And I know right now we're not strong enough because why? We haven't got enough meat in due season to carry us through. Did you ever see a loved one just die all of a sudden? And that they weren't quite ready? Or if they were ready, they didn't have much reward laid up in heaven? I've seen that. And I see it now with a spiritual eye. Some that I love very, very dearly. And they aren't as close to God as they need to be. And it breaks my heart because I know they're going to make it into heaven because they've repented, they've been baptized in Jesus' name, and they receive the Holy Ghost. Yes, they're going to make it to heaven. But when it comes to dishing out rewards, let me tell you right now, everybody is not going to get the same reward. The Bible tells us that you'll get the reward as you earn it here. You don't earn salvation, but you earn your reward. Little is much when God is in it. How much is little to you? How much is much? How, again, do you give an hour a day to God for praying and studying and reading? To God, that's one twenty-fourth of a day. Five minutes, ten minutes, a brief message or a brief thought. God bless everybody. Take care of them. Shh. We have to consider our reward in breaking out of our bonds. And blood touch blood. Look at the wars that we've got right now going on. The conflicts. How about that 12-year-old boy that was bound with bombs? He didn't want to die. He told them he didn't want to die, but I think they offered him $22 that they'd give, for his mom, or give to his mother, and he did it for that. He didn't realize that death was permanent. They got onto him because they made him strip down to his underwear. Well, I thank God they left some modesty on him. They didn't even do that to our Lord. Oh, we see him with a loincloth, but I don't read it in the Bible where there was a loincloth on him. People blood against blood. You could look at that another way. Family against family. Brother against sister. Sister against brother. Mother and fathers against one another. Against their children. Didn't he tell us in his, in his word that there was going to be a time when um, fathers would turn against their sons and the sons against the fathers? It's happening today. It's happening today. God help us all, that blood against blood. It says, therefore shall the land mourn. Again, our land is mourning. Well, how does land mourn, Sister Hoskla? It will a lot of us sick. It's got a lot of chemicals in there that's being bad for the animals that eat the grain. Then we eat the animals in return and then wonder why there's such a great cancer rate. Wonder why there's such high blood pressure. Wonder why all these other diseases that's coming up on us. And the reason is our land is mourning. Our land, it's a pitiful state. We have droughts. Kills all the crops. We have too much rain. It floods. It kills all the crops. 
God knew back in Hosea's time what this country was going to do. Why do I pick on America? Because America was chosen by God to give refuge to his people. The book of Revelation said the woman fled. The woman is the church. The woman is God's children. The followers of God. They fled to America. She will be covered by the wings of an eagle. And our national symbol is an eagle's wings opened up wide. That's why God is talking to America so great. That's why we've been blessed for so many hundreds of years. And now God's removing the blessing and taking it away. Layer by layer. Why is he doing it? Because we are letting him down. Layer by layer. by layer. We put things in front of God. We have God's many. G-O-D-S, lowercase. Oh, I don't. I don't have any. Oh, you got your car. You got your home. You got your job. Anything that you put before serving God is a God to you. I know you have to work to make a living. But... You don't have to eat, sleep, and stay in that job 24 hours a day. You go to the job, you work on the job, and you say, okay, that's it, and you go home. But a lot of people don't do that. They take their job home with them. That's putting a God before the Lord. And everyone that dwelleth therein shall languish in the land. With the beast of the field and with the fowls of the heavens, and yea, the fish of the sea also shall be taken away. And I think if we look at that and study it out, we're going to find that's just exactly what's happening in our world today. God's word is true. I don't care how many hundreds of thousands of years ago, hundreds and thousands of years ago he said it, it's still true. Well, how do we go about finding out about God? I have to find it because it wasn't even in my markers. If you go to Proverbs, where's Proverbs? Chapter 8. Proverbs chapter 8. You know, I'll tell you a secret while you're turning there. To me, Proverbs was all little tidbits of things that we should know about God. You know, fathers, uh, children obey your father and mother and do this and do that and do something else. But I begin reading it in a new light. And Proverbs is all about wisdom, knowledge, and understanding what God expects of us. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 1. Doth not wisdom cry... Why is wisdom crying? Well, wisdom can't cry. Oh, yes, she can. And by the way, wisdom's a woman. Yes, she can. Why? Because nobody wants wisdom. Oh, well, we've got scholars, we've got libraries, we've got educational systems. Everybody's searching for wisdom. But they're not searching for God's wisdom. A young man out in the state of Oregon... Won because of his high excellency. He won 
um, scholarship to go to college to become a teacher. But when they found out he wanted to go to a Christian college to become a Christian teacher, they took his scholarship away from him. That's in the courts right now to give it back to him because there was nothing said about that. He won the scholarship, but he hasn't got it yet. But by the grace of God, by the coming of fall, he's going to get it. But wisdom is crying. God's wisdom is crying. And understanding put forth her voice. Hey, we've got wisdom crying and we've got understanding crying. Because people don't want to understand God. Oh, that's too, too difficult. I can't understand it. He said even a fool or a wayfaring man could know. Well, I'm not a fool and I'm not wayfaring. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm a friend to God. She, I told you wisdom was a she and understanding was a she. She standeth in the top of the high places by the way in the places of the paths. God's wisdom is so much higher than worldly wisdom and worldly understanding that we need to take those paths that he's laid out for us and follow them to her and to understanding. I don't know about you, but that sends chills all over me when I read that I can attain not all of God's wisdom, but some of God's wisdom. Praise the Lord. And she crieth at the gates, at the entry of the city, and at the coming in at the doors. I mean, as we come into bird's eye from any direction, wisdom standing there saying, learn about me, learn about me, learn about me. How did you do that? Churches, churches, churches. At the doors. Come into the door and learn of God and get the wisdom of God and know how He wants you to think and what He wants you to do. I know a lot of this sounds like repetition this morning, but it has to be God because this isn't even where I was going. It said, Unto you, in verse 4, Unto you, O men, I call, and my voice is to the sons of man. Listen to that. And he says, oh, ye simple, understand wisdom. Now, see, you don't have to be a genius to understand God's wisdom. No. And look, it says, and ye fools, be ye of an understanding heart. Fools don't necessarily mean stupid. Sometimes it means you're just not real bright. You don't have all the light bulbs going on. But even then, you can have an understanding heart. It also means in another place that somebody doesn't believe in God. Hear, verse 5, hear, for I will speak of excellent things. Now, wisdom is talking to us here. I will speak of excellent things, and the opening of my lips shall be right things. See, I told you. I told you that's what the word said. For my mouth shall speak truth, and wickedness is an abomination to my lips. So when you tell a dirty joke, you use a dirty word, that's not wisdom of God. 
you take away from the wisdom of God. Because it is an abomination to my lips, says wisdom. And all the words of my mouth are in righteousness. Righteousness. That's God's righteousness. God's holiness. God's preciousness. Thank God for the awesome God we serve. Hallelujah. And there is nothing forward nor perverse in them. Nothing. Nothing smart-mouthed. Nothing ridiculed. In the words of God, in the wisdom of God, I want to skip on down because time's getting away from me. It talks about understanding. Well, let me go to verse 11. It says, Wisdom is better than rubies, and all the things that may be desired are not to be compared with. The wisdom of God is greater than any jewel in all the world. Diamonds and rubies and sapphires and emeralds and all of them. Wisdom is far better than all of this. And 12 says, I, wisdom, dwell with prudence and find out knowledge of witty inventions. Where is the knowledge of our inventions? How can God use them? They have made inventions that they did use for God and they turned them around now and used them for the devil. Television at one time was a family entertainment thing and all things were clean on it. But look at what they turned it around now. Satan has turned it around for them. There's cases before the FCC right now to try to get some of the nudity and the profanity and all of that off. But unless we pray and back these people that's trying to get this done, it won't get done. And I'm not sure it's going to get done now. We just may have let it go too far. Why? Because we weren't wise when we first heard about it. When it first started, when that dress line went a little too low and that skirt went up a little too high, we didn't start then. Maybe we can do it. Maybe God will have mercy on our soul and it can start right now. Counsel is mine and sound wisdom. In verse 14. said, so I am understanding. I am understanding. I have strength. Understand one another. Then you strengthen your powers. Why do certain people do certain things the way they do? Understand, okay, maybe that was the way they were raised. Maybe they don't have any finances to do anything any different. Maybe they don't have the education that you have. But understand, and then have compassion on them. And that begins your wisdom and your understanding. Oh, I love this. I was, I'm trying to say, and verse 17 says, I love them that love me. Love who? Understanding. Understanding. I love them that love me. Those that seek me early shall find me. And riches and honors are with me, yea, durable riches and righteousness. You want to know righteousness with God? Come on. Sound the alarm in my holy mountain. We need righteousness in our personal lives. It says, my fruit, right, uh, understanding is still talking. My fruit is better than gold. Yea, than fine gold, and my revenue than choice silver. And I lead the way into I lead the way of righteousness in the midst of the path of judgment. When you walk with God, 
you will not be condemned or convicted truthfully. Now that doesn't mean they're not going to tell lies on you, for they will. And who is they? The ungodly, the antichrist. But God will not put you in judgment for doing what he said, for saying what he says. And be careful of your attitude when you talk to people about God. Don't get superior. Be humble and talk to them about the ways of the Lord. Praise the Lord. And that I may cause those that love me to inherit, inherit substance, and I will fill their treasures. Treasures. In one place it tells me that a good name is worth more than all the treasures of this world. A good name. When people hear your name, what do they think about? Oh, that's somebody that's haphazard. Oh, that's somebody that's told a lie or two. Oh, well, I'll not go into the rest of it, but you can all get the idea of what it's all about. Or do they say, man, I trust that person, and when I get in trouble, I go to them for prayer. They're a prayer warrior. They're a child of God. They're a follower of Jesus Christ. And I believe that they love the Lord with all their heart. I don't go to their church and I don't believe their doctrine. But honey, if they can say that about us, they're on their way. They're on their way. The Lord possessed me. Listen, this is understanding. The Lord possessed me in the beginning of His way. The Lord possessed me in the beginning of His way. Before His works of old. In other words, before He made this earth. Before he made the stars and the moon and everything, he understood. God knew why he was doing what he did. Go ahead and read the rest of that in chapter 9 and go over to chapter 3. I'll tell you what a good thing to do whenever you've got some time on your hands. Go home and get a notebook and sit down and look in Proverbs and everything about wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. Write it down. The chapter, the verse... And what it says. And you're going to come away a lot more understanding of it. A lot more understanding of it. But we need desperately to get a hold of the fact that we're not there yet. Children, we have not arrived. Yes, we've got problems. Yes, we have troubles. Yes, all these things are coming upon us. But if God is with us, who can be against us? Brother Roy and I have just went through several years of very bad health problems. I think he mentioned when we were here before that uh, he had gotten in such a state of depression and anxiety that he was ready to commit suicide. And he asked that I not leave him alone in the room because he didn't know what he would do when I went out of the room. Now you realize how difficult even in a trailer that is? It's very difficult. But through it all, I was seeking God for him because it's as we heard yesterday, I can't even pray. And that's what the children of God are for, is to pray with you and for you at that time. These things are coming. They're here now. If they haven't hit your household, thank God for it. But let me tell you something, they're coming. 
And the only way you're going to be ready is to get wisdom and knowledge and understanding and hold on tight to God. Oh, Lord. Dear God. So much. So much here. I could go on the rest of the afternoon, but I see the seat of what? How do they go with that? I can't think of the thing now. Okay. From the beginning of his work, his way, before his works of old, understanding was with him. We'll go back on that. We need to understand and have compassion on each other. We need to realize there's nobody else in this world going to hold you dear and close. And I don't mean physically. I mean spiritually. They hold you up before God. When God puts one of your brothers and sisters on your heart, pray for them. And pray for them as if they were a part of your body because they are a part of your body. This is the body of God in bird's eye. God has other portions. As he told one of the prophets of old, I've got 7,000 that's never bowed a knee. God's got other children in different areas, but we belong to this body. We need to remember one another in their faults, in their weakness, in their sickness, and whatever else it is. We need to remember as if it were my thumb or, or your finger or your head. My head hurts. I need to remember you as if it was that because I prayed whenever my head hurt. I really prayed. And this is what we ought to do for one another. Lift each other up. Understand what's going on. Well, as I said, this, this isn't... I hope you got something out of it because it sure isn't what I, I thought God wanted. He gave me three and he wound up giving me another and I don't even know. Brother Chester... I want a tape of this so I'll know what I did. <laughs> I know that sounds funny, but some of these things just kept coming. I'm not apologizing for it. The Word of God is truth. I don't always understand what God wants, but I know when God is speaking through me. That's one thing I do know. And I think the thing of it is, is unity. Unity, one with another. Don't put away, don't put aside any of you, anybody. You may not like the way they dress, you may not like the way they talk, you might not like the way a lot of things about them, but they are a part of your body. They are a part of your body. Cling to them, hold to them, hold them up in prayer. I don't know why I'm saying so much about that. But God knows. Evidently, y'all need it. God loves you all. He loves every one of you that's sitting in this congregation this morning. He loves some of those that are not here, that should be here, that will be back. But now let me tell you something. God's not going to bring everyone back because when they were here, they weren't of us. They weren't of us. They just sit in our midst. If you remember the children of Israel, whenever they got ready to leave the land of Egypt, God just promised the children of Israel to come out of Egypt. But there was a mixed multitude that went out of Egypt with them. And every time they had problems and every time they had trouble, it started with that mixed multitude. 
Why? Because they were with them, but they were not of them. They're the ones in the first place that wanted to go back to Egypt, where they could at least eat onions and garlic. Well, we don't think that sounds so bad, but did you ever try to eat a meatloaf without onions in it? Other foods that we eat when we put onions in them, they would taste very bland. And they didn't want this. They weren't willing to sacrifice this. They wanted to go back into Egypt. Don't want to go back into the world. There's not anything out there in that world for you but heartache and trouble and strife. We were in a church not long ago where a young teenager came up for prayer because his mother asked him to come. When he came up, he crossed his arms and he didn't say it verbally. He said it with everything in his body. You can pray for me, but I am not going to accept it. And they prayed for him. They prayed for his attitude and the power of God came down. And that young man kept his arms crossed and his face was set and his teeth were clenched. And God couldn't do a thing with him. And he went back and he sat down and they prayed for other people and I was sitting there. And I turned around and looked at him and oh, I, I wish you could have seen the expression on his face. He dared God to get a hold of him. And I said, young man, this night God, and this was the Holy Ghost speaking, I said, this night God has given you a choice. You will either serve him or you will serve the devil. And if you serve the devil, you are going to hurt many people. And the one you're going to hurt the most is your mother. And let me tell you something. The one you're going to hurt next to your mother will be yourself. Oh, he got angry with me. And I just turned around. I said all God would have me to say. And I turned around. And the young man got sick the next day. He had been sick all week. Is it because of what I said? No, it was because of the choice he decided to make. Children... You make a choice. You serve God for all of your days. Or you serve the devil. There's no in-between. The devil is your flesh. He makes you think it's God wanting you to do things. But it isn't God that wants you to do them. If it's against the word of God, it's the devil. If it's to glorify and lift up Jesus Christ, it's God. Adults, it's the same thing. You have fleshly desires to... And you can't follow through with them because they're from Satan. They're from Satan. When you have an inspiration to glorify God or whatever you do is going to lift up the kingdom of God, that's from God. Wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. Brother Brett.